Cougs house. All right, the Houston Cougars topped the Memphis Tigers 72 to 64. Let's break down how we won the big rivalry game. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainsworth, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater who came to stop by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That we need the latest on the Cougs in your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. It is good to see you again. Uh, obviously, we're giving away another Another giveaway at 750 subscribers. We've been doing one every 250. We're at just over 660 right now. So thank you all so much for subscribing. If you're not yet, hit subscribe down below. And then at 750, we're going to give away a, a Houston Cougar Letterman jacket looking jacket. Uh, so make sure you subscribe and comment and like on the videos so we know what uh, that you're entering the contest. If you've got nothing else to comment on after uh, talking about the Tigers or talking about beating the Tigers, should say, for 20 to 30 minutes, uh, make sure you comment down below. Tell us if you like anything about Memphis barbecue. I'm really more of a brisket guy myself, but sure, why not? All right. So speaking of Memphis barbecue, let's talk about how Houston managed to barbecue up some Tiger. Now, in the course of this basketball game, it was fairly, fairly close. And the first part, I'd like to talk a little bit about some standout performances, including one key standout performance. The second segment, I'll talk more about game flow and, and that part will also include some talk about the absence of memphis's kendrick davis because i think there's a hot hot topic in this one and then in the third segment we'll talk some more about houston uh the houston basketball programs weekend that was or some pretty big uh you know first look at the bracket revealed uh if the standings were released today and those kinds of things um and then frankly by the time you're hearing this the ap poll may be out it does come out typically sometime mid-morning on monday but Houston's probably number one team in the country, too. So let's talk about all those things later. But in this first segment, let's talk about some standout guys. Um, obviously, on the Houston Cougar side, two 20-point scores is fairly rare for this uh, this team. Uh, you usually have, like, one guy have 23 and one guy have 15. Those are the two highs. But uh, Marcus Sasser and Jawan Roberts both finished with 20 points. Both made eight free throws to get there because um, down the stretch, it was that kind of a game for Marcus. And frankly, uh, they decided to hack a Jawan at one point <laughs> or, or something. I'm not sure what they were going for there, but um, both guys with 20 points is so, so big for this team because frankly, it was a relatively off shooting day for the entirety of the Houston Cougars, but being able to rely on Sasser and Roberts, Roberts with a career high 20 points, but really rely on those guys for consistent offense was very, very crucial in this victory. Now I know Sasser missed uh, at least two, what I would call open threes from my account. We did have two of five from the three point line and five and nine overall shooting with again, those eight free throws. He did have a steal, a rebound and an assist each. Um, uh, the big deal for Juwan Roberts, though, is he finished with 20, again, a career high, and he added 12 rebounds to put together a double-double, something like for Juwan Roberts. I will say what was interesting to me was a stat I got. Uh, so Steve Peters, uh, SP, Steve P, or S. Peters Photos on Twitter, always throws me a couple of fun stats during the game as they're going. And his quote, you won't find it on ESPN stat this week, was uh, that Roberts has scored the first points for Houston nine different times this season 
and they're undefeated officially now. I guess this was the 10th and then undefeated. Uh, undefeated every time he scored the first basket. It's interesting to, for me to see because Juwan Roberts is not like necessarily a natural score. He's a natural hustle player. He's got a great left-hand finish, like a little hook, but that's it's not like a whole lot of stuff in the bag. He's not like a dynamic post-score a la Tim Duncan from the early 2000s or in a more modern sense like Joel Embiid. Right? That's not his game, um, but it's really, really crucial to get him going as Steve points out, they're undefeated when he scores the first basket in the game 10 different times in ju- almost 30 games played, almost 30 games played this season. Um, interestingly enough, in looking at that too, um, you know, Kelvin Sampson asked after the game, what did he think about uh, Juwan's performance? And he said that sometimes we just got to get him going. And I call, when we got to get him going, I call his number a lot. Felt like that kind of a game early on, right? They were doing block-to-block screens, high-low actions to get him the ball. And then, frankly, as the game wore on, he was always, it felt like, in several different crucial moments, standing at what I've been calling the left mic and spot. You know the mic and drill, you're standing on the basket, you go right hand, left hand, go back and forth, side to side. It's a classic coordination drill for younger basketball players. Maybe I'm talking to people that don't care, but... The mic and spot be just under the basket on the left side or just under the basket on the right side. Like, not quite like face, like you're facing the backboard, right? Um, and so he's sitting there at the left mic and spot, wide open a couple different times. And then there were times the ball got to him and get a hockey assist or something out of it and get great offense out of it that way. Um, but that action with him on offense later in the game, per Samson, appears to be very much directly translated to how early and often they went to him. Again, it was three of the first four possessions they went to him. He didn't score all three times, but, you know, he obviously scored a couple. And he got all the way to 20 points. Again, career high, big, big day for Juwan. Um, as far as other scoring guys go, I mean, Jamal Shedd did finish with 10 points on eight shots and had a tremendous dunk where he sh- just, like, froze DeAndre. I want to say shook, but he really froze DeAndre Williams on a switch. So he missed the play. Um, it's like a 1-4 high pick and roll in the middle of the floor. It puts Jamal at kind of like the right elbow spot. He realizes he's got DeAndre Williams in front of him, crosses back to his left hand, hesitates back to the right, and it's like he shot out of a cannon or DeAndre Williams is stuck in quicksand. I don't know which. Either way, uh, Jamal Shea gets to the rim and finishes big time with a big dunk, and that definitely lifted the crowd, the uh, record-setting crowd of 7,730 people at the game, the most people ever at a Houston home basketball game outside of that one time at the Astrodome. Big, big win in front of the home crowd. Now, interestingly enough, though, Jamal Shedd's 10 points were the next highest. Uh, you had, outside of that, Tremont Mark had six. A few guys had four, and a few guys had two. Not a great shooting day for the Houston Cougars. Um, I do think that that doesn't mean that there was not good offense, right? Like, I think Houston had good shots. And, frankly, we'll get to more schematic stuff in a moment. But Kelvin Sampson kind of agreed. Um, he said if you looked at just the attempts, you thought he had a great score, that the team had a great scoring night. Um, I would not bank on Houston shooting on Houston shooting three of 17 with those looks that they had on Sunday afternoon from three very often, uh, worth pointing out to me, Houston only had 10 assists, which seems like a low bar to me, but they also had 23 made shots. So that's still roughly half of their makes are coming off of assisted baskets. seems like to me, as I watch this team more and more, if they can keep that number at, you know, 50% of the makes or higher at made baskets, they seem to win fairly comfortably, right? And so in watching this one, assist guys that stood out, where Jairus Walker only had four points, 
he had three of the 10 assists, right? And I had actually, and going back and look, there was one time he dropped it off to Cheney, that Cheney ball was a ball. There's one time he dropped it off to Tremont. Tremont was just too fast for it. Like those kinds of things happen. He see it, he has the vision, sees it. That's why he's a lottery pick. He's a six nine guy that has that kind of vision, right? Six nine two forty and has that kind of vision. But um on the whole, I felt like they were moving the basketball and I don't want to not give Jarris Walker his flowers just because he had a bad shooting day. He because he, he did have a bad shooting day. But he did try to get some good stuff going offensively. And frankly, guys not catching the rock ain't really his fault as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, Tremont Mark did a lot of energetic things as far as defense goes. I was really, really impressed, though, as far as the defense side of the ball. Uh, Terrence Arsenault, who missed the SMU game with an ankle injury, he actually sustained uh, the Sunday prior. Um, he stepped in the game, had just nine minutes, but played tremendous perimeter defense, moving his feet in a way that I wouldn't have thought a guy with a bum ankle was able to do. Um, also, I have to say that his uh, he had a shortly after he got in the game a steal that turned into a quick layup. That a the acrobatic level of that layup is not easy for a guy with you know a bum ankle, and b was certainly not something we saw him do three or four months ago, right? Like that's a different level of dialed in to the defense side of the ball than Terrence has shown before. Not that he's ever shown these isn't capable. But playing defense in Coach Sampson's system at a college level, really Coach Sampson's system is higher than the average college level, uh, is certainly not something we were necessarily accustomed to him doing. It's the kind of thing that makes him a surefire pro one day. Um, I'm hoping, you know, I said on Twitter, he has probably got a second-round grade on him right now because of size, length, potential, that kind of stuff. I really, really hope he comes back to Houston to work and, frankly, get into that first round very, very quickly by next year. Speaking of guys and jobs... Let's talk about LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, now, LinkedIn is a great organization and company. If you are a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in twenty three in twenty twenty three all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you uh, quickly attract qualified candidates to your opening jobs with target with your open jobs targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to po- put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates and LinkedIn jobs to, uh, and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. So our small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering qualified hires and quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you uh, find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post a job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. That's LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So in the second segment, I said I want to talk a little about the game flow and that will tie some into the absence of Kendrick Davis. Um, I thought on the whole that when I looked at this game, it looked like to me, right? It looked like to me that um, Houston as a whole would have had probably more like 90 points. And I don't mean that to say that like, I guess I could say it as like, that's bad defense out of, um, out of Memphis. But the truth is, is that when I look at it, Houston had a lot of open shots from three. As look at the shot chart here. I'm watching corner, 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 slot, 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 slot. A bunch of open shots from three we typically see them make. There's also a bunch of missed shots in the shot chart, just empty circles inside of five feet that we've seen Houston make. And they got those shots without guys with like necessarily all around them or all over them. I mean, 
Houston, a team that thrives on drive and kick, had one corner three and only two other shots in the left slot. Like, this is a team that we've seen shoot, you know, seven of eight. That we have, we've seen guys shoot like seven or eight from like 17, 18 shots from three before, especially when they're getting that kind of open shots that are getting in the drive and kick against Memphis. Um, not a not a great shooting day, but a great offense day. And I think it's interesting to watch the difference as that goes. Uh, Kelvin Sampson did say though in the after in the post game afterwards, it is not a beauty contest. They don't put an asterisk on any of these things. And I think that that's a fair point that Houston did find a way to win. They scrapped. I got all the 50 50 balls. The uh, commentators on ESPN did to their credit, sing Houston's praises in that aspect. Uh, they said at some point, these 50 50 balls feel more like 70 30. Uh, and then the other guy said, actually it might feel more like 90 10 at that point in the basketball game. Um, Houston did manage to dial the ball on the floor a lot for those basketballs. And frankly, um, oh, I'm losing my page there. Um, and frankly, I feel like in watching that game, um, I'm almost more comfortable with the fact that like Houston doesn't have to hit all their jump shots. They continue to find new ways to win. And obviously we knew Houston, you and I knew Houston was a fairly defensive focused team. It's just, they shot the ball so poorly that I, you know, 45%, 17 from three, uh, they did shoot better from the free throw line. So that helps some that I'd be worried about it, but they'd forced Memphis into 18 turnovers and 14 of those were in the first half when Houston was kind of blitzing, uh, blitzing what they were doing. Now what was interesting to me was in absence of Kendrick Davis, Memphis was trying to go to more stuff with Alex Lomax as a more perimeter ball type of guy. Uh, McCadden, Elijah McCadden, their other guard was kind of dominating the ball some. And frankly, to hit the kid's credit, Elijah McCadden did have a 20 point outing, right? Like, if you're going to try and replace that guy with Kendrick Davis when Kendrick Davis comes back theoretically in a couple of weeks, that's fine. But I don't imagine Kendrick Davis has his 25 and McCadden has 20 because some of those shots were in the same kind of spots that Kendrick Davis will be having. Right. And so as far as like there's Memphis fans all over Twitter, like, oh, this isn't even that big a deal. Like, no, you lost rivalry game. So like you lost, you're still, you know, you're still Memphis. But also um, at the end of the day, the truth is, is that like Kendrick Davis wouldn't have a net impact of just adding his points per game to the score, right? That's not how this is going to work because the stuff he does would have taken away from the stuff other people were doing, right? Uh, for instance, like the, uh, for instance, Memphis leaned really, really heavily on DeAndre Williams. Now DeAndre Williams is 26 years old. And so you think he could shoulder the load some, but he had 18 points on 13 shots. And frankly, 13 shots was the most shots anyone on Memphis got. Now, Kendrick Davis probably cuts down some of the turnovers, although I'll get to more of that in a second. But truthfully, like leading the team in shots is not something DeAndre Williams gets to do very often. Right? Kendrick, Kendrick Davis leads the team in shots nearly every night for the Memphis Tigers. And so redistributing those some doesn't just like add to it. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so that that takes me to this idea of Memphis and like Kendrick Davis and the turnover problem because obviously he absolutely would have um, he absolutely would have made a difference in the turnover department. They would, probably wouldn't have had eighteen. When you pull up like the Kendrick Davis Kendrick Davis game logs from the season, it's not like he has no turnovers on the season, right? Like he has uh, what is this game? Tulane he had seven turnovers. Tulsa he had six turnovers. Uh, VCU and 
uh, Seton Hall and Auburn and East Carolina. He had five turnovers in each of those, right? Like he's a guy that will also turn the ball over. And so again, I don't feel comfortable saying plug and play. Yes. You know, we like the kid. He's from Houston originally and all those kinds of things, whatever, but just feeling like we can assume that we're going to add his 21 points per game to this and be fine. I don't think it's fair either. It was a sloppy game. It was always going to be a sloppy game because it was Houston versus Memphis. And I'd imagine March, March 5th is also a sloppy game. You can't just assume otherwise. Uh, if I look at other aspects of the flow of the game outside of Kendrick Davis's absence, um, you know, I was intrigued as to what they were going to do. The clear replacement was trying to have McCadden and Lomax fill in the shoes some um, when that didn't work. They ended up finding DeAndre Williams for some uh, hustle plays. And, um, you know, he went two for two from three. Um, he's a 36 point something percent shooter on the season. Um, he usually is only getting two attempts per game. So, like, the odds that he hits both of his threes are fairly low when he hit both or, you know, whatever. Um, on, on the whole in the game flow, though, the funny thing is when you watch, if you look at, like, the, um, like, odds you're going to win chart on ESPN where it's like charting right up and down. Um, Houston kind of from the jump really had every, like every advantage in this game, not just because Kendrick Davis is out. Right. Um, But because they had the home crowd, they had the energy and they opened up the game with a couple of big dunks. And frankly, again, had they shot the ball? Well, this could have been one of those, it might not have been 24 to two, like SMU was at home a few weeks ago. But I do feel like it could have been one of those games was like 25 to 8 really, really quickly, and it was not. Um, and so, you know, Houston managed to like stay the course, stay focused, made their free throws down the stretch in kind of a crucial time. Um, frankly, also avoided their own foul trouble. Um, I really liked one four-guard lineup Houston went to, where they went to Tremont Mark and at the four um, because some of the other bigs had foul trouble in the second half and so like you know Tremont Mark makes up for his lack of height at the power forward position with just long arms and super super springy leg explosion and effort right and it's always really really fun to watch and so watching all this play out was fun for me and watching Houston obviously it's fun to watch Houston beat Memphis I guess I should you know probably say make that part obvious but it was interesting to me because Houston's going to continue to win in different ways and I would have been concerned about this way versus Memphis because Houston scored just 72 points, just right. Um, Memphis be giving up more like 78 points, right? Like teams are scoring in the eighties against them, right? They've seen they've Memphis has lost games in the nineties, right? Like this has been that kind of a year for Memphis. And so I'd have been worried about Houston only scoring 72 points against a Kendrick Davis less Memphis. Um, frankly, on the other side of that coin, Memphis was seven and zero up to this point when they were under 70 points themselves. So like in those ugly games, it kind of lived in ugly games. Um, and so having both sides of that for Memphis, I would have been worried at the surface. Then if I had seen the shot chart, I'd have been like, why aren't we missing these shots? And then I'd seen the open shots. Like, why are we, uh, these guys are not within four feet of a Houston shooter. Why is he missing the shots? Um, but in watching this, I think the thing I'm going to carry over and wait on, you know, or look for in the next game, outside of Houston making those shots and just running this thing out early is Houston did, to the commentator's credit, win a lot of those 50-50 balls, right? They're not quite turnovers. They don't quite, like get listed in Memphis' turnovers. But a lot of those hustle plays went Houston's way. I think that had to do something with the home crowd. So shout out to the folks at Fertitta, you know, on Sunday. 
But also, that's just kind of the hallmark of Houston's team. And that's just kind of a hallmark of what Kelvin Sampson does. And so I have to say that I'll be interested to see how that carries over because I also think that that's something Penny Hardaway and his teams do very well. And I think that's why these games end up being so fun every year is because it's kind of like two like-minded teams and two coaches that typically, this is no shots fired at too many other schools, but two coaches that typically get better athletes than the rest of the conference, right? And as guys that get better athletes than the rest of the conference, they they play aggressive, they play fast, they have on the floor, they go to re- and like all of a sudden it's like, oh man, like these are very much the same beast. Um, and this time Houston came out on top. Houston never trailed. Uh, that was all. I mean, that was always gonna be that kind of a moment for them. Um, anyway, I just I enjoyed the game a lot. It was fun to see there were a bunch of alums there, um, Galen and Fabian and, and a bunch of guys. Uh, I think I saw Quentin Grimes was in the photo too from alums that were there. Uh, so he came directly from Salt Lake City apparently. Though to be fair. I'd, I'd probably also want out of Salt Lake City, too. But anyway, um, so fun time for them as well. Uh, looked like they also got in the locker room and gave a little bit of a pump-up talk to the guys. Um, good, good times in Houston. And Tulane on Wednesday would be a big letdown. So be ready to be ready for that one come Wednesday. But first, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Built Bar and how, I guess I should say, and how... Uh, you can also be built up and not like have a big letdown. Uh, Built Bar is a delicious treat without the fat and calories. You got to try them. Uh, we just got through the holidays. I guess we're you know into mid late February, mid February, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthy this year. Trust me, I really am trying. Uh, if you go, if you're like me and you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise on taste, I got just thing for you. You got to try Built Bar with Built. Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. That one's my favorite. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better is that they are healthy with only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein in most bars. And now, if you don't need to wait around to get a box uh, for years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or a Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of uh, cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs, all kinds of very, very fun flavors. If you're close with Sam's Club, you can run into a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. Trust me. Thank me later. Here's the other thing I'll say is that Built.com has a ton of fun flavors you can go try, but trust me, it's super easy to walk in Walmart's pharmacy section and go grab these things. Uh, and, at, you know, Houston-born teacher and coach, I really am one of those, right? I got to be at work before 7.30 every morning. <laughs> Trust me, a pair of these makes for a great, great breakfast. Go do it right now at Built.com or stop at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. All right. Um, so in the third segment, I want to talk a little bit about the other parts of Houston's basketball weekend. Um, first of all, it seems obvious, but by the time we're listening to this, Either it's about to happen or it has to happen. Houston's going to be the number one team in the country again. Uh, Alabama lost. Tennessee continues to lose. Purdue continues to lose. Um, close game, sure, that's fine. Against Power 5 competition, whatever. Houston is going to be the number one team in the country in the AP poll on Monday, almost for certain. Um, with that said, uh, Kelvin Sampson has always reiterated this is a rental. 
right? This is like not something to get like too attached to. Um, and the goal is to be the number one team in April, right? And so I think that's really easy to say, but man, oh man, as a fan, is it fun to have. Now, Houston's going to get a lot of flack on all your message boards and Twitter spheres. And frankly, there will probably even be national pundits taking their pot shots at Houston because Houston will be the number one team in the country and have just beaten Memphis, you know, uh, last four team in on the bubble team, whatever, without their best player. And people say that that's not good enough. Now, I think that's bogus, but I also think that when people say that, they're not watching Houston. Houston's number one team in the country because of their defense, and that's going to be the way it is probably in the entirety of the Kelvin Sampson run, although, you know, adding guys like Jairus help your offense every couple of years too. With that being said, when you have a number one ranked team in the country because of your defense, while defense travels, and that's great, and that is a high, high, high achievement to have in college basketball, what that also means is you're going to have a bunch of games that are close just because your job as a team is to keep them from scoring points, and that's your sole focus, right? It's not like watching Baylor and Keontae George and, like, yeah, sometimes he'll go get 30 or whatever. Like, that ain't us, right? It's not like watching what was the kid that uh, you said a couple of years ago, Juzang. It's not like watching Juzang go off for 28 and they need him to have 20 every night. Like we have different guys score 20 all the time that, that are, they certainly score more than 18 all the time. That's certainly, that's not what we're trying to do here. When we lead the way with defense, you're going to have ugly games, including things like Memphis, including things like gutting it out against Temple the second time through. I mean, the second half of Temple was beautiful basketball. If you like defense, right? That's something that national pundits, if they're not watching the games, you can't see that in the scorebook the same way. People are going to look at the Houston game against Memphis and be like, oh my God, they shot the ball poorly. And they did. But they're not the number one team in the country because they shoot the ball well. They're the number one team in the country because they make sure you don't shoot the ball well. And I think that that backlash is going to continue to happen until people watch this team and then they go, oh, that that's a team that gets the ball, that, that gets every loose ball. That's a team that gets every rebound. That's a team that gets you know, every steal, get hands on every deflection, all those things. They, they see how the quickness is very, very real there. And so I'm interested to see, uh, A, obviously the backlash there, and then B, working the part of the year where you start to see bracket previews. The first official March Madness bracket preview came out over the weekend. And admittedly, um, this is projections, but it's got a projection of, Houston being the second-ranked number one seed. There are four number one seeds, and so each one gets ranked. So it's like, in this case, Alabama's the number one number one seed. Houston's the number two number one seed. Kansas was the number four number one seed. Purdue is the number three number one seed. I just read that. Anyway, um, and then you obviously it snakes back with your brackets and those kinds of things. Um, in Houston's Midwest region, in which the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight would be played in Kansas City, Missouri, they would have Xavier as the four seed, so the theoretical, assuming it's chalk the way through, um, Sweet 16 matchup would be with Xavier. And then the Elite Eight would be with the winner of UT Austin and Tennessee. Now, Tennessee and Rick Barnes versus Samson and Houston would be fun because they have their own Big 12 battles from back in the Oklahoma-Texas days, right? That'd be fun. But on the whole, I have to say it's actually a really, really favorable bracket in a lot of ways. Um, as far as matchups go, there's not... When Houston's had trouble, they've had trouble with a seven-footer, right? Like, I would like to see Zach Eady as late in the tournament as possible. I think we can beat Purdue. I'm not worried about that, but that's a bad matchup for Houston. Um, and seeing him later is a good thing. It also would be playing in Kansas City, which I think, you know, 
geographically is as Louisville's close, um, but Vegas and New York are much farther away. Obviously, New York's pretty far away. Vegas is a fun place to go, though, so maybe that's worth going. Um, but Kansas State is close, and uh, you don't have Kansas or Kansas State in our region based on this. Kansas will be the fourth number one seed, so they're out in the west region. With uh, They're in Vegas. They play Arizona and those kinds of things. And they have Kansas State as the three seed out in that region. And so suddenly, you're playing in Kansas, or Kansas City, so I guess you're on the board of Kansas and Missouri, but you're not playing the Kansas schools there. So there's no home court advantage for those because that would be my ultimate concern in playing in Kansas is not at Kansas City is not that it's not a good region for Houston. It's that that game against Kansas will be unreasonably Kansas-sided, right? Um, you know, how this will shift if Houston maintains the number one seed throughout. Will they probably get to play in the south region, which is Louisville? Um, I don't know if that's what they'd pick, but there seems to be fairly equidistant in a lot of ways. Um, it's not a direct shot either direction but sure um the current rating has baylor as the number two seed in the south region virginia who houston's beaten already would be the three seed in that region and then indiana who's had kind of an up and down season um i i had to say i think that the bracket they're in in this current model this current prediction is actually more favorable um because xavier is the fourth it seems like they're the weakest four seed Gonzaga has had some issues at points this year, but I wouldn't want to play them in March. I shouldn't certainly don't want to play Coach Few in March. Um, and so that's the four seed. And then having to only play the winner of UT uh, Austin or UT Knoxville, which is a weird thing. Um, frankly, you that's that's favorable to Houston because they don't have to play, you know, Indiana and Baylor or yeah. Iowa State and Marquette. Marquette's good this year, folks. Look out. Um, they have to play Arizona and Gonzaga or, or whatever, right? And so I think that that's why I think it's the most favorable. Obviously, the 8-9 matchup and obviously the 16 matchup would, all, would be very important as well. Um, but interesting to see that this is favorite, like lining up with the stars aligned for Houston because we all know that if you get out of that region, Final Four is in H-Town, man, and that's a big, big advantage. We're talking about that advantage and all kinds of things all week long here at Locked on Cougs. So make sure you find me at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all your social media handles. I do things like do uh, a full thread of each game of my thoughts of the game's happening, so the game threads are up there. Uh, I'm also posting all the content each and every day, so make sure you find all the Locked on Cougs episodes there as well. Uh, I'll also talk... Uh, Cougar baseball season's going on. Uh, softball just started. Soccer's wrapping up. Um, I would talk Rockets, Astros, whatever Houston sports things you want. All things at Painsworth 512. Uh, and frankly, this week we're also be looking at some big news of the football program. They're not going to hire an official offensive coordinator. Uh, we can weigh the pros and cons of that as well. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll save that for the next episode. But Tuesday, we're talking about the offensive coordinator job and what that looks like. So make sure you tune back in and subscribe down below so it hits your newsfeed each day. Thank you all so, so much for making Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. I'm going to recommend Locked on College Basketball because that's a national Locked on basketball pod, College Basketball podcast. And it's, frankly, the best national podcast out there about college basketball every day. And... It's very Cougar friendly. So make sure you go check out that podcast. They're going to be super excited. It's Isaac and Andy, and they're going to be very, very excited that the Houston Cougars are 
likely, almost certainly, number one overall. So go check that out. Thank you all so much for listening to Locked on Cougs today. Locked on Cougs is a proud member of the Locked on Podcast Network. Our team every day. Go Cougs.